I'm going to pray for you before we get into the Word this morning. Something really special, isn't there, about this time of year? I think uh, of all the times and calendars, you know, seasons of the year when it seems like all the world, whether they realize it or not, for a moment stops to think about Jesus or be reminded that a Savior was born. In all of these, you know, carols and all the beautiful songs are these powerful truths that, you know, those of us who've really made that decision to follow Jesus realize just how powerful those realities are. Amen. So I want to pray over us this morning before we take a few moments in, in God's Word this Christmas Eve and just believe for God's truth and the truths that we're declaring to be a powerful revelation, not only for you this Christmas time, but also for your loved ones. Amen. So why don't we just, just take a moment and just be in prayer. Father, thank you that these aren't just pretty melodies and these aren't just old songs full of tradition and memories. And, but God, I thank you that they're actually, we're declaring some powerful truth today. And there is a reason for joy. And in our day, there are many in the world that don't experience a lot of joy. That are feeling maybe this Christmas all kinds of pain or sorrow or confusion. But we just pray into our city and the nations of the earth. That because the Lord is come, because the Lord came and dwelt among us, as we're going to remind ourselves this morning. We have a reason for joy, deep joy, not just happiness, which can be fleeting and driven by our circumstances, but a deep, abiding joy that whatever we're experiencing right now in our mountain seasons and our valleys low, it is well. And you are with us in every season. And I pray that more and more and more in our city and beyond would know that powerful truth. Jesus, be seen this Christmas, even in our lives, not just in our words, in our lives, in our deeds, in our loving and our living. Let your light be seen. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats this morning? I want to echo what Andy said as she welcomed you to what is our downtown uh, venue. We are, if you're new, I, I, I recognize that this time of year we have many guests. And so to all of you, just a special welcome. I know Andy honored you and recognized you already. Um, but we love to think of you as our guests around here. Hopefully the team have rolled out the red carpet for you. We, we are one church these days with uh, six communities, four of them here in the city. This is our what we call our downtown Manhattan venue. But we, we also gather in downtown Brooklyn and in Union Square and up on the Upper West Side and in a matter of weeks from now, really, in February, we're going to be launching our fifth New York community in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and God's doing great things. We also have the privilege of having a few communities outside of New York City these days. And uh, I just want to welcome you uh, to Liberty Church and, and pray that this service is a blessing to you today. We sure are glad that you're here. The, the title of the, uh, the message I want to bring this morning is just simply Present present. My kids love presents. Anyone, any other parents here whose kids just love presents? I mean, they're all about it, all about presents. They love presents, like with a passion. 
And even when they were like little, I mean, oftentimes, and parents in the room probably experienced this, they would love even, even just the wrapping, which would be frustrating sometimes because you've bought a $30 present and it's the box that it came in that ends up being the highlight. But you know, that's, my kids are all about presents. They love presents. And so, you know, Andy and I, as a part of leading our church and just preaching the gospel, um, have the great privilege of, of traveling uh, from time to time. And so we've sort of made it a habit uh, when we're away, especially if we're away for any period of time, uh, to come back with presents for the kids. Um, although I will say it got, we got on such a roll with doing that, but sometimes even if we were just gone one night, there was that expectation, right? And the presents, it's like, come on, guys, there was almost no time to shop at all. Uh, and so, and after a while, I was sort of, you know, stretching it with the sort of presents I was bringing back and a lot of airport gifts, let's be honest. Uh, and I would bring back all kinds of random things from on the road. I brought back, you know, more carvings that I know what to do with from Southern Africa. And uh, truth be told, oftentimes the gifts that, that I would bring home would be on the next stoop sale uh, as the kids are getting creative in raising money. But there's something about a gift. And we, we you know, we had to cultivate in our kids a sense of gratitude. And, uh, you know, we would, we sort of actually, one time I remember coming home from being away on a trip, and I was greeted actually in the hallway, not even in the apartment. I was greeted in the hallway by the kids. And Sam says to me, apparently after some coaching, Sam says, Dad, I'm not going to ask you about presents, <laughs> which was an insight to me that that discussion had already been had. But, you know, as we've been approaching Christmas this year as a family, we've been reading this uh, beautiful book by Ann Voskamp called The Greatest Gift of All, really like an Advent story. And I guess it's been our way as a family every evening of coming back to really what it's all about. And the truth is, it's not just little kids. I mean, it's so easy for me to think it's just kids who forget what the season is about and get preoccupied with other things. But the truth is, all of us can. And what the Father gave to us in the Son, what the Father gave to us in Jesus Christ, the Savior is born, is truly the greatest gift of all. If we realize that, if we realize what a gift it is, if when we recognize deeply that it's a gift that we could never have earned, that we could never have deserved, but it was the greatest gift of all, we realize what a present it truly is. I, I, love, I love words. And uh, I chose present for the title of my message because it's so rich with meaning. You know, one of the, uh, one of the dictionaries I looked up had basically 34 different usages or definitions of the word present. It's kind of a rich word. I mean, you can present a present presently. That's like three in one sentence, right? So as I was kind of studying this word and thinking about this word, two of the meanings of the word really struck me as the essence of what I think the Christmas message is all about. In fact, I think we're going to put them on the screen. Two definitions of the word present. One being a noun, which is a thing given to someone as a gift, as in a Christmas present. But I also particularly like the adjective, which is to be in a particular place, as in a doctor must be present at the ringside. And I like this. And it means fully focused on or involved in what one is doing or experiencing. In other words, you have to put everything out of your mind and really be present. As I was thinking about Christmas and, you know, present and presence is such a common word for us to use, I wonder if we could walk away today with a little richer understanding of what it means when we say present at Christmas time. See, it strikes me that Jesus was both of these definitions in one. He was not only a present, 
He was not only the greatest gift that we could ever have received, but he also was present. Not, not just in the sense that the present was him, but I mean in the sense that Jesus, just by coming to earth, just by being with us, made himself fully present. He was the greatest present of all, and the gift he gave was to be fully present to us, to come to earth as a savior, to be present to us in our suffering. What a gift, amen? What a gift that the almighty God of the universe, that the Lord of heaven's angel armies would choose to be present with us. A gift we could never earn, that we could never deserve. Pure love. You know, in the Bible, there are so many names that are given to God, many different names. And each of them, I guess, in a way, maybe like the faces or facets of a diamond reveals an aspect or reflect some of the light of who God truly is. One of the names that I really love uh, is Jehovah Jireh, which in English would translate the Lord our provider. Isn't that a great revelation to be reminded, maybe at a time of year when sometimes we can feel a stretch or, you know, the year end is coming, maybe there's uncertainty around finances or, you know, we're, we're being generous to people that we love and, and to be reminded Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider or, or El Shaddai, is another ancient name of God, which, which sort of translates the Lord God Almighty. It's good to be reminded of His power. He's full of might and power, and, and He's on your side. What a beautiful thought that is. In the Bible, God is described as the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. When you find yourself in a maybe a season of confusion, or you're disoriented, or you're going through a difficult time, it's good to remember that God was there at the beginning, amen, and that He is unchanging, He's there at the end, that He's the God who was and is and is to come. He goes before us, beside us, behind us. It's that beautiful sense of being covered by Him. Another name I love of God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. We believe in this church in the power of God to see the miraculous happening in your life and that could be in the areas of provision. It could be area in the area of physical healing. As hardly a week goes by in our church, we don't hear testimonies of literal physical healing. We heard a, a testimony this morning in the, in the praise reports about healing of a relationship. That's who our God is, amen? He reconciles. He's still in the business of making all things new. But I think probably my, my favorite name of God Especially that I think is so relevant to us is at Christmas time is the name Emmanuel. It's deeply connected to the Christmas story is this name Emmanuel. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people 
from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the way, that quote, that prophecy is from the the book of Isaiah, centuries before. This specific prophecy, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Gave him the name Jesus. You know, what I didn't fully appreciate is how common of a name Jesus was. Of course, centuries later, you know, it's still in, in, in some communities a, a common name, but above all, we associate the name Jesus with Jesus Christ. But actually in his day, it was kind of the John of our day. <laughs> a common name, a Greek form of the name Joshua. Everybody wanted to have their son be a Joshua, be a Jesus, be the Lord saves. And one of the reasons I think it was so popular with parents was because it spoke to the pain of each generation, believing that God would save them, believing that God would deliver them, believing that God would break them out of their circumstance. They would declare every time they said their child's name, the Lord saves, the Lord saves, the Lord saves. So it's a beautiful and a powerful name, and it's still, of course, popular today. But you know what I think about in this specific instance is I love that, that God gave what in some ways was a common name to an uncommon man gave a common name to his son because this son would be the embodiment of the reality of that name. This son wouldn't just be a faith-filled declaration that the Lord saves. This son would be proof, amen, that God saves. Jesus himself is the answer to that prayer in the flesh. But I love, I love that the scripture says, although God had declared that he should be known as Jesus, the Lord, saves. It says they will call him Emmanuel. They will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah knew it centuries before that when the Messiah, the Savior, comes, people would call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. I love that that's how God saved us. The Lord saves how? The Lord saves how? By being with us. He's not far from us. He's not far from us. His deliverance looks like His presence. Not from afar, but present with us in our pain, present with us in our suffering, present in our questions, in our sin and our struggle and our strife. God is present. I wrote down the lyrics of the carol as we sang it this morning. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come let us adore Him. That's what we're talking about this morning. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. Emmanuel, God with us. Come, let us adore Him. I love that of all of the ways that God could have intervened supernaturally and all the displays of power and majesty that He could have chosen. Instead, He expressed Himself in presence and He valued us by coming to us. What a thought that is. I want you to really get this deeply. This is a very simple message this morning, but I think that's what's so profound about this truth. It's so simple we can miss it. The truth is God is with you. 
Some of you need to hear this this morning. I feel like maybe this Christmas Eve, my job was to encourage some of you that are going through a hard time. And if all you hear from all that I say today is know this deeply, God is with you. God is with you. God himself with you. He's with you. It's easy to imagine he's with others. If you're anything like me, it's easy to imagine that, you know, there's God's presence or his favor, you know, rests on other people, but you can, you can doubt yourself. But whatever you're going through, he is with you. Being present is a powerful thing. You know, I, I have found, you know, everybody's different. I've found that I had to work at being present as a person. You know, I, I ping in all different ways. Anybody else like that a little bit? And, and then you suddenly find yourself like, I can, I can ping between walking from the bedroom to the lounge room. And I get there and I think, wait, what was I doing? You know, and something happened. It's like I couldn't even be present to my own thought. I had one thought I was going to, I know I was getting something or doing something. There was something happening that was important. And uh, that's a practice for me to be present. You know, I can find myself being so future focused that I miss what's happening in the present. So it's been a habit for me, a discipline to cultivate presence. Becoming more content and at peace as a person has helped with that a lot too. Being present, it's a powerful thing. Being present can be a very healing thing for those who are around you, amen? You know, uh, as Andy mentioned earlier, uh, we lost my mom just a couple of months ago now. In fact, just over a month ago, November 17th, my mom stepped into eternity with Christ. And uh, I tell you, people were incredible. I, I couldn't express enough just how wonderful, you know, not only just our physical family, but our church family and, and people reached out to us in, in love. And this, so this is our first Christmas out without my mom. And uh, there are so many things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for flowers. I'm grateful for notes, so many notes of encouragement that people wrote for the outpouring of love. But you know what was maybe surprising for me um, was that in my grief, probably the thing that for me blessed me the most was just presence, people's presence. Just people who chose in those moments to be present, who said simple but really profound things, which, which I didn't realize how deeply true they were. You know, somebody said to me one time, I know there are no words. I just want to be here. It's incredible how without knowing the right things to say, because frankly, in those moments, there is no right thing to say, amen, but how just their healing presence alone was an expression of love. People would sometimes say, what do you need or how can we help? And I love that they did it. And the truth is, most of the time, I didn't know. <laughs> but don't you think that's a picture of all of humanity and how much more the Father's heart looking down on us and knowing that even if he asked us, what do you need? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> How can I help? I don't know. <laughs> Most of the time, we don't even really know. We, we might know sometimes in moments what we think we want, but in the deepest place, do we even really know what we need? We need his presence more than anything. I think God anticipated that when all of humanity was broken and lost and what we needed was simply him. I love that God decided to be present. It's a mystery to me that the God of the universe came in the form of a baby. You know, John 1 puts it this way. John 1 verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came 
to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You know, theologians call it incarnate. The incarnate ministry of Christ that God himself took on flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or as the message translation put it, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. You know, what's interesting about this is it's, it wasn't just God's desire that Christ would become an incarnate ministry, incarnational. But actually, I believe that you and I now carry on that responsibility. It's no surprise to you and I that we have flesh, but here's the point is we are supposed to be an expression of Him in the flesh. What if we allowed not just our own desires and our own dreams, our own thoughts and plans to be what inhabits this flesh for these years that we have it? But what if we allowed God Himself, the God of the universe, to make His dwelling in us and move into the neighborhood? What if we were an expression of His Word made flesh and we made Him present by our presence this Christmas? You know, for many of us, you know, I mean, Christmas can bring all different kinds of emotions and getting together with family can be all kinds of experience and I just believe that you and I are called to be expressions of light and life and hope and joy. Amen? Peacemakers in the earth. And that just by our presence, and more importantly, I guess, by God's presence in us, our ministry being incarnate this Christmas, I'm believing that we're going to see something beautiful happen. That we're going to see life come where there's been death, joy come where there's been sorrow, hope come where there's been discouragement. Are we a gift, a present to our world? Because we're meant to be. Are we fully awake? Are we fully present to our world? Or are we preoccupied and distracted and over busy and missing the point? Let's make a choice this Christmas to see our lives as a present to those around us, to our neighbors and our block, to our workplace and our family, to our loved ones and to those that we're in contact with, to be a present and to be present this Christmas time. If I could add one other thing to that, I'd say let's not just be present to our world. Let's determine this Christmas to be present to our Savior, to be present to our Savior, to seek His face and to spend time with Him, to not just hustle and bustle through this Christmas and get through all the things and make sure everything goes seamlessly with whatever it is that you're doing. Amen to all of that, but let's not in the midst of it all miss being present to our Savior. What an opportunity to pull aside with Him, whatever your Christmas day and Christmas celebrations and whatever these next few days bring, what an opportunity to pull aside with thankfulness to pull aside with prayerfulness, to pull aside and spend time with Him and listen and to seek His face. You know, when 
when the dust settles and we've gone through Christmas and our beautiful New Year's Eve services, just a few days later, we're going to begin what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And in some ways, it's a simple decision that we make, and it starts on the first Monday of the year, that we want to be present to Him. 21 days where as a church last year, hundreds of people ended up signing up for this as a time, you know, yes, I guess it's some, some ways a time of spiritual discipline, but it's so much more than that. It's really about a choice to be present to our Savior and to seek Him and to seek His face. We enjoy the holidays and celebrate together, and then we start the new year, not just by doing whatever our flesh tells us to do, but by listening to the Spirit and seeking Him with all our heart. You see, you know, we, we often quote one of the most favorite scriptures in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you. You know, they're, they're good thoughts, not evil. They give you a hope and a future. But, you know, just a couple of verses later, we don't as much quote Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what I feel like this time of year can be about, is about seeking God with all our heart. You know these lyrics, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. That's what today is to me. A thrill of hope. Man, our world could use some hope. Come on, church. A thrill of of hope. I pray that this Christmas, just in our simple living and our loving of Jesus and being present to those that we know and love, I pray that people will experience a thrill of hope, whatever it is that they're going through. Because, you know, I think a weary world needs some rejoicing. A weary world rejoices. Why? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now, because of what Christ did for us, not just in coming to earth, not just what we remember this time of year as we celebrate Christmas and silent night and away in a manger, and we remember the God of the universe came in the form of a baby, but we also remember just months from now that he was the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain to take away the sins of the world. A new and glorious morn, a new day, a new covenant, a new promise, a new and glorious morn. His mercies are new every morning. So I pray our world this Christmas, and through you and I, will experience a thrill of hope, rejoicing in their weariness. Maybe in your weariness this morning, maybe it's been a hard year, you know what? I pray. In fact, I'm going to pray right now. Jesus, pray over every person under the sound of my voice right now in this room, even those watching us this Christmas Eve on Liberty Live. Please take this moment to pray and declare refreshing and joy, to declare a thrill of hope over those who feel weary, 
those who feel discouraged, those who feel heavy burdens. God, I thank you. Your desire is to give them rest, a new and glorious morning, O night divine, when Christ was born.